Welcome in, everybody. Tuesday edition right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. As always, shout out Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour here on Steel Man and Thune, 405-579-3113. They've been in business uh, for 16 years in the metro area. Tim Lasher, I say it all the time, great Sooner, great company, very reliable. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, home comfort you can trust. Steely, Thune, how are we doing? Were you, were you like holed up in the back corner of the studio before the show? Because I didn't see you till right before we were going on air. There was a little bit of Chris Plank spillage. He had a, a coffee that uh, accidentally got semi-dumped over, but he also made a great save in the process so we were in the process plank was cleaning it up so i was staying I out of the way of the spill i just want to make sure you took note of the fact that doug from norman brought us mostacholi today what really yeah. thank you doug thank you very much he walked he- in about 10 minutes before we went on air with a big plate of pasta you know what i've always said about people is people are better in person. Now, people get mad at Doug on our text line because he takes opposing views. He's not afraid to take the heat, right? Doug's kind of that guy that's going to challenge what you're saying and the, uh, the, the you know, whatever the uh, the narrative is, he sometimes will question that. But when you, and again, that doesn't make him a bad guy, but we've gotten mad at Doug, particularly me, a couple times. <laughs> I have a tendency to lose my old man temper, but you meet Doug in person, he's a great dude, right? He you, is. Most people Can attest. Per- most people in person are really cool people. But once they get, you know, Boomer Bob or whatever on social media where they can say whatever they want, old Ben Rant, right off the bat, then things change. Society would be much less divided, Steely, if we had more in-person interactions That's and right. less internet interactions. That's right. Or you had to give your real name, like on social media. That was the rule. Like, you know. They said on X, all right, man, tweet away, you know, whatever you want to send out, but you've got to give your real name. People would be less angry and more civil. Anyway, that, ladies and gentlemen, is my thought for the day. My old man, thought for the day, brought to you by Depends Undergarments and Metamucil here on Steel Man and Thumb. I want to start today talking about Baker Mayfield because the— I'm sorry, who? Baker Mayfield. Oh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise yes. quarterback Baker R. Mayfield. But yes. he didn't get the franchise tag that went to Antoine Winfield Jr., which means that, you know, I, I think the Bucks still want to sign Baker Mayfield, but it also means unrestricted free agency. Could he wind up somewhere else? What do you think? Is he in Tampa Bay next year, or maybe is he playing for Chris Plank's uh, Las Vegas Raiders. I refuse to acknowledge the possibility that Baker Mayfield is anything but a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Although a, a, a Raiders uniform would look pretty cool on Baker, I must say. Not as good Shea as Shea would have to get looks. new uh, new hoodie collection going, and the Raiders hoodies with that logo, the best in the NFL, in my opinion, would look all right. I would rather see him again stay in Tampa Bay with some continuity. Here's what the uh, McAfee Show crew said about Baker. What's happening? And again, about Baker's uh, pretty incredible career arc so far. Baker still has, what, another 10 years left if he wants it? Yeah, he's, what, 28? We forget about how quickly he was bounced around after all the success at Cleveland that took place. Wins a playoff game for them. Not, we don't like them. Get them the hell out of here. Now, Cleveland is in a situation again and again and again. Sure. And again. Right. And again. That's Cleveland. Since then, football gods might have seen it all take place. He goes down to Carolina. He's on a scout team. 
He's rushing punts. He lied. Yeah. He's rushing punts. Headbutt Yeah, absolutely. With no helmet on. Oh, just trying to be a good teammate. Then he goes over to Los Angeles Rams, remember? Mm-hmm. Wins the game on two days notice yep. on Thursday Night Football with McVay. And wait a minute, wait a minute. He goes to Tampa, plays his best football. It's like this dude's career has already been whoom, wham, pow. And now Steve Young's like, feels like we're in the right spot. And he almost confirms it. Now, he's not going to say Steve, that's stupid. I'm not going sure. to Tampa. So, and he probably doesn't have a clue there. But it is nice to hear, I assume, if you're a Buccaneers fan, like, yeah, Baker definitely wants to come back. And he's looking at this as a long-term type situation. Now. Womb, wham, pow. That's like an old Batman comic book, I think, right there. Or the TV series with Adam West. But uh, what? you're a big Bucks fan. I know you want him re-signed. Uh, do you still feel good about him being back in tech- Tampa Bay next year? I do. Because... I, th- I mean, what's the alternative for Tampa Bay, right? You draft a quarterback, you go the free agent route, or you throw Kyle Trask to the Wolves. None of those are as appealing as bringing back Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise quarterback and pro bowler Baker R. Mayfield to lead the offense. Yeah, so. it's, it's going to be interesting. Baker last year, uh, career-high touchdown passes, 28, career-high in yardage, over 4,000 yards, uh, did go to the Pro Bowl. If you throw in the postseason, his numbers on the year, 34 touchdowns, 12 picks. Clearly, they liked him in Tampa Bay. His teammates really liked him, which is not an easy thing to do when you're uh, you know, coming in after the GOAT steps down and retires and Tom Brady. But Baker did an excellent job. So I'll ask you guys this again, though. Baker, may, is it six years now for Baker or seven? In the NFL? Yeah. It has been six years. Based on him being the number one overall pick in the draft, has Baker been – how do you grade his first six years? I'm still saying slight disappointment based on you're the number one pick. Look, if Baker was a late first-round pick or a second-round pick, you're saying, all right, job pretty well done. I think everything changed in Cleveland when he played through the shoulder situation. And we know what happened there. It was an unceremonious situation for Baker. The way they treated him was horrible. The OBJ trade, Mark Desher, we were talking about that. Our, our friend, OU photo guy over here down the hall, was talking about that. Changed the dynamic in Cleveland as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious how you guys think how you grade Baker's first six years in the National Football League. Now, this story is far from over. And the career arc that we were talking about – it started to become a comeback story again this year. And if he can continue and have like another year like that, then your your feeling completely changes for Baker, at least for me. But what do you think through six years? I think through six years, what Baker has proven is that he is incapable, as is 99% of the NFL population as a whole, of single-handedly elevating an organization that is allergic to stability. That's why the situation in Cleveland was so appalling, especially towards the end, is because it was as if the Browns did not understand, well, that they are the Browns, Steely. They wanted microwave success. They saw Baker take them to seven wins in 2018, off of a 1-31 stretch over the previous two seasons and figured, okay, we need to do whatever we can to capitalize on this in an immediate sense rather than trying to build a solid foundation for long-term success. And to his credit, 
Baker did get Cleveland one fourth down conversion away from playing in the AFC championship game back in 2020. You remember that Chad Henney to Tyree kill when Patrick Mahomes yeah, was sideline? Absolutely. That's, that is the only way that the Chiefs were able to turn the tide and prevent the Browns from winning that game on the road and going to the AFC championship game. I thought for the hand he was dealt in Cleveland, man, given all that he went through, Baker did a dang good job at the helm of that organization. And what happened in 2022, I mean, could he have reasonably been expected to have any amount of sustainable success in Carolina or in Los Angeles? No, but I think what we saw this past year in Tampa is that if you surround Baker Mayfield with weapons, and they don't necessarily need to be grade A weapons, right? But you just surround him with pass catchers who are generally above average across the landscape of professional football. You give him a solid defense, but more more importantly, you give him the top-down organizational stability in the front office and on the coaching staff to be able to just go to work every single day and understand that he's not a single misstep isn't going to cost him his opportunity or his job or his trust within the organization. And again, you saw what can happen when he's placed in a situation like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I would have loved to, uh, would love to go back in time and see what happens with the, uh, the shoulder injury. Now, the other thing that's going on with Tampa Bay is Mike Evans, of course, is a free, is a free agent. Baker said he'd love to have him back. We'll see what the, uh, the bucks can do. ESPN released their list of the top 50 free agents out there on the market. Baker was number 13. The only quarterback that was ahead of him on that list was Kirk Cousins of the Vikings. So, anyway, your thoughts on Baker, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439 through his first six years uh, in the National Football League. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line available to you, 405-651-3439. Uh, what do we have happening? OU baseball tonight, 6.30 at Dallas Baptist. You'll hear that with T-Row right here on the ref. Sooners 2-1 and one in Arlington over the weekend. Beat a really good Tennessee team. Rallied to beat Nebraska. Had an opening loss to Oregon. But two out of three ain't bad, as Meatloaf said, right, uh, for OU baseball with that schedule they faced in uh, in Arlington. We have the uh, the OU women playing tonight at Cincinnati. The uh, the Lady Bearcats are not very good. Uh, this should be a win for Oklahoma. They currently still enjoy a one-game up lead on Texas, West Virginia, and Kansas State in the Big 12. They had a loss in Morgantown over the weekend. Uh, the OU men play Saturday in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Bedlam round two, 3 o'clock on ESPN2. Sooner softball team will be out at the Mary Nutter Classic in California. Two games on Friday, Mississippi State and... Uh, they also play Wisconsin, 7.30 for Mississippi State, 10 o'clock for Wisconsin. And then the Thunder back in action tonight against the – or I'm sorry, Thursday night against the L.A. Clippers as uh, Oklahoma City plays the final 28 games of the regular season. Currently sitting at number two in the West, 37-17 and 17 on the season. So the Clippers, they're 1-1 one one against the Clippers so far this season. Uh, but that will be at the Paycom Palace coming up on Thursday night. All right, break time, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Your thoughts on Baker through six years. We'll get to all of your texts when we get back at 1235. You'll hear the Jackson Arnold interview on the rush yesterday in its entirety, about six minutes worth. And we've got a lot of other stuff to talk about today. And we need your input, 405-651-3439. 
Ken Eppelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're coming right back. All right, we are back here on Steelman and Thune, Tuesday edition, Riverwind Casino. Great, great place to do a little bit of everything. Win some money, some cash, some bonus play. Eat well, see a great show, whether it's indoors or outdoors. Win some jackpots, nearly 3,000 electronic games. The very best selection of electronic games on their newly redesigned gaming floor. Best bars and dining. You also have just the very best promotions. And uh, the gift shop is really, really cool if you haven't been in there. The hotel is world-class. Attached right there to the casino. And you can get out and play with your wild card again today. Monday and Tuesday, you get five times the entries for points you get on your wild card. And those can be very advantageous to you for the big drawing coming up on Friday night, the uh, 80K Leap Into Love drawing, which is uh, the final drawing is coming up on Friday night. Get out there and win your share of 80K in uh, cash and bonus play. And we also have the final drawing in the 60K Cupid's Mad Dash uh, promotion coming up. That's this Saturday night. Hot seat drawings from 6 to 1130. They draw out three winners every half hour, and then we give away, of course, the grand prize. Two grand prize winners will be drawn out just before midnight. Great shows at the Showplace Theater. We have Beats and Bites back for 2024. All those tickets are available online at riverwind.com or at the casino box office. Good times always at the one and only Riverwind Casino. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet Text Line. 405-651-3439. And we're talking about Baker Mayfield, who, uh, again, um, do we think he's going to be back in Tampa Bay? There's still a really good chance of that, but it's certainly not guaranteed. The Bucks used the franchise tag on Antoine Winfield Jr. yesterday. So what do you guys think about Baker and what he's done through his first six years in the NFL? All right, you ready to head to the text line? A 405 listener says... And I would love this listener to elaborate a little bit further because this listener says the system sends the best college quarterback to the worst NFL team and expects them to not only turn the team around, but the organization too. hate the system. Uh, why do you hate the system? What, I, I guess let me ask I it this way. What is, say, a be, what is a better system? I think trying like? to say that a lot of times these quarterbacks get beaten up, you know, because they're not on a very good team. They lose confidence, and they never. a lot of them never pan out, right? Maybe. It happens. But, but what is the uh, what, what else do you do? I mean, do you make it just a, well, let's, you know, a bidding war or what? It is the system. It's been that way for a long time. And that's I, the way it should be. I remember when Troy Aikman was considered a – I think Jimmy Johnson called him a loser at one point. Wow. In the first year that Dallas, you know, when Troy got hurt, the only game they won that year was with Steve Walsh at quarterback against the then Redskins. Uh, but, again, it's about the talent you get to surround these quarterbacks. It's about the stability of the organization, the coaching in Cleveland, Stefanski's done a pretty good job overall, but you know, for whatever reason, that relationship with Baker fell apart. But think of some of the clowns he was with: Hugh Jackson and uh, who, Freddie Kitchens. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and to make a blanket statement like that implies that a quarterback is just being thrown to the wolves every time he's drafted first overall with no help whatsoever. Odds are, if you're drafting first overall. You're changing a lot more than just your situation at quarterback. You're doing a whole lot more than just bringing in a new arm. Odds are you're breaking in a new head coach. You're investing a lot of money in the offseason into skill position players or elite defenders. 
Nobody is content in the NFL, nor should they be, to just sit in the cellar. You're going to do whatever you can to dig out of that hole, and that starts at the quarterback position. And that's why we see year after year after year, time after time, not every time, but often what you will see is that a quarterback that gets drafted first overall, when surrounded with the proper supporting cast, ends up having success with that organization before long. I Think about, and here's, like, here's a very, very muted type of example. Like this is, this is not one on the good end of the spectrum or the terrible end of the spectrum. This is a guy that is very much somewhere in the middle. But think about Jared Goff with the Los Angeles Rams. He gets drafted first overall in 2016, takes a beating year one. I mean, they were atrocious, and he was not great. By 2018, they're NFC champions, playing Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So is it, about, is it about the quarterback? Sure. But it's also about the moves you make elsewhere to support that quarterback, and that's something that every single organization that holds the first overall pick is going to do. Sam Bradford drafted number one overall. You know, people, a lot of people uh, on the outside looking in would say, yeah, disappointment. And he had a lot of injuries, but a lot of times it is your situation. And what does your organization do for you as well? Are they competent? Are they willing to spend money? Are they willing to put great receivers and good backs around you? Uh, Like I said, there is a ton of pressure on a quarterback going number one because that bar is set as high as you can set it, right? Guess what? Caleb Williams. What might the conversation sound like about Caleb Williams in two or three years? Man, I never expected it would be this tough for him, and he's thrown a lot of picks or whatever. We'll see. If it is the Bears and people think it, you know, maybe it, it will be the Bears, what are the Bears going to do to help him out too? So there are just so many factors at play. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Slim Brady just said, make the draft order opposite, <laughs> LOL. You win the Super Bowl and you get the first pick. Congratulations. Eric in Dallas says, in my opinion, 90% of a quarterback's success is dictated by the organization he's chosen by. Perfect example is Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if that's the perfect example, Eric, because you must acknowledge that Patrick Mahomes is arguably the greatest quarterback of his generation. They let him and- sit for a year and practice, basically, right? Yeah, and Mahomes. look, is Patrick Mahomes' greatness enhanced and exacerbated by the organization with which he or by which he was drafted? Certainly. You throw Patrick Mahomes somewhere other than Kansas City, I think he's still really good. I don't know if he's a three-time Super Bowl champion, but he's still really good. Without question, landing in that situation in Kansas City helped him get to where he is. Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, no doubt. In the history of the NFL. So, yeah, a lot of times uh, it's dictated by where you go, when you go. If that coach is still there, the general manager, the stability of the organization, there's so many factors that play into it. A listener in the 405 says it's not the team – or it's not the system. It's the teams. That's the problem. Instead of drafting needs like offensive linemen, they go after the most high-profile quarterback, which is why when these guys get to these teams like Sam Bradford – they end up flaming out or getting hurt because they have nobody to protect them. And there's an element of truth to that, right? There are certain situations in which you evaluate where an organization sits. 
their 53-man roster, what all they need to improve on, and you can reasonably and safely come to the conclusion that drafting a quarterback is not going to be an instant fix-a-flat for all of their issues. But quarterback is also the most important position on the football field. And if you're going to give your organization a facelift, you're going to rebuild, you're going to revamp, you're going to give a downtrodden franchise the opportunity to field a much more competitive team and go win football games again, oftentimes it starts at quarterback. Not always, but I would say 70 to 80% of the time it starts with an upgraded quarterback. Is there a more difficult position in sports than starting quarterback in the, for, in the NFL? That's a very subjective. Ace of a pitching staff, uh, goalie for a a hockey contender in the the NHL. I don't know. You know what my answer is? Cornerback. Cornerback. Mm. I think cornerback, especially these days, with the way that the game is officiated, playing cornerback is the hardest thing to do in all of professional sports. But again, very subjective. And I don't think there is one correct answer. And we judge these quarterbacks often uh, times too too soon. Baker's been in the league six years, but for a lot of people, C.J. Stroud's a superstar already, and Bryce Young's a total flop, right? And we need to let it play out. Look, I think Stroud has been amazing, but uh, a lot of times, again, there are just so many variables involved. All right, do we have time for one more real quick? Slim Brady says, it's all about situations, and more often than not, if you're going top five, you're going to a terrible situation it's likely not going to be much better at the end of your rookie contract. Against Slim Brady, I, I don't think that's true. I think in some cases that is true. But to make a general statement like that and operate under the impression that that is the general expectation or the general reality, I think that's inaccurate. You know, I provided the example of Jared Goff, but there are other guys that come to mind, right? Andrew Luck. You remember when Andrew Luck was drafted by the Colts? I mean, it was not particularly close. The Colts were the worst organization in professional football. They were miles below everybody else in terms of competitiveness. And within, what, two, maybe three seasons, Andrew Luck had him in the playoffs. So, once again, that sure, that says a lot about Andrew Luck, but it also says a lot about the way the Colts' front office attacked their deficiencies and improved upon them. All right, let's take a break right here when we get back. Speaking of quarterbacks, I want to hear from Jackson Arnold's JFA. Well, guess what? He stopped by the rush yesterday for uh, ribbon cutting day at the Young Family Activity Center yesterday. And we'll hear what Jackson Arnold had to say with Teddy and Tyler in its entirety. This is no soundbite fest coming up. This is this is the whole thing. You'll have it next here on The Ref. Steelman and Thune Tuesday edition right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network on your Tuesday again. I hope yours is going along well so far. Uh, do you feel better with me in studio after yesterday? I feel much better. Yes, that was I always, very I interesting. I always enjoy having you here in studio more so than out on location. Yeah, I mean, we can – there's uh, – Communication is easier because Much I can, easier. you know, you know, because you see the uh, the other person. I can tell kind of what you're thinking, where you're going. Same thing. But uh, we had a great time out at the Young Family Athletic Center. The equipment issue was one of our old timelines died. Like TJ 
just uh, tweeted out a, a tribute to Old Red, our tie line. So it wasn't any uh, issue out there. Our uh, our tie line, our broadcast equipment just decided, that, you know what, I'm old, I'm done, and I am not going to work for you guys. So that was a challenging situation, but we made it through. The only one that was uh, more strange than that yesterday, and again, this was all about our equipment issue. Not the, the Young Family Athletic Center is awesome, and they've got state-of-the-art stuff out there. But it was just a bad day for our equipment. But was the time, and I think I've told this story before, when this station was KNOR Radio back in the day. And we used to do, you know, Norman North wasn't even around when I was, you know, first getting started out of OU. I think I was actually still at OU my senior year. Anyway, after the Norman Tiger football season was over, we would do area playoff games. And I'm not going to mention the place they sent us to, but they sent us to a place to do an area playoff game. And when I got there in the press box, uh, there's the window out of the field, which you can see. And then there's a wall off to the left and off to the right that is, I don't know, like eight feet wide on either side. And on the left, right in front of the wall, it says KNOR Radio and a couple chairs for us, which, again, in order to call a game you must be able to see the game so i can remember talking to the gentleman there and this was kind of a smaller school he was he wasn't a jerk or anything but i said sir if we're going to do the play-by-play we we've got to be able to see the field is there any way we can move here i was very nice very diplomatic he said well you know bill's been over here 26 years doing pa and well, the sheriff's been here doing stats for us for 13, 14 years. And Tom over here, well, he runs the clock. And I just don't have any other place to put you. So uh, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to deal with it. So I said, is there any way you can find a janitor or something that can get us a small table and we'll set it out in the bleachers? And it was like, again, like 39 degrees outside for this playoff game. So we strung our telephone line out there. We were out in the middle of the bleachers doing a game. So, but we got it done. We got it done. Yesterday was actually a little more challenging than that, but I'll just never forget seeing our radio set up for a play-by-play broadcast with a wall right in front of us. It was very interesting. All right, Jackson Arnold, JFA, yesterday stopped by the uh, Young Family Activity Center, which is very impressive, and there he was, and he was ready to talk to uh, Tyler and Teddy, here's how the conversation went down yesterday. About this for an unexpected surprise, Jackson Arnold, QB1 himself, now joins us. Um, what are you doing up here, man? It's good to see you. How's the offseason been going? How's winter it's, workouts and They've been good, yeah. We start up coaching stations tomorrow, so it'll be a lot of oh, fun. Oh, that'll be fun. See, see if you guys are in shape or not, right? Yeah. See what they've uh, they've designed for you guys. Oh, yeah. Well, that's. What, tell us what you thought about kind of the transition there i know it was uh whenever you went into the bowl game you had the regular season stuff you go into the bowl game there's a little bit of time maybe uh with with some new coaches there latrell and uh coach joe john finley i know you probably didn't change a lot maybe didn't change anything and how was that transition for you though going from levy as the coach quarterback coach there and then and then dealing with some new guys yeah it was definitely uh weird at first um just having to switch coaches yeah. for like three weeks, but um, I was I was already close with uh, Coach Finley and Coach Latrell, um, so the the transition from them to stepping in and taking over wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't uh, 
awkward for me or uncomfortable or anything. We we all bonded and, and gelled quickly, and um, you know, obviously the bowl game was wasn't what we hoped it to be, but I mean, I think we're gonna we're gonna go hard this off season and get after it. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about spring football, kind of previewing it and talking about every position on the team. And when we look at wide receiver, man, you got a lot coming back. Well, you know, Drake was a first-team All-Big 12 player, and I'm sure he'll be missed. But you got a guy like Deion Burks coming in, Nick Anderson coming back. Just how are you feeling right now, and what's your connection like with some of those wide receivers? Uh, I feel great. We've been throwing a lot of these past couple of weeks. I'm getting used to throwing to some of these new guys, whether it's it's Dion or, or transfers or even the new freshmen coming in, just getting used and getting acclimated to everybody. And, um, and the same with the O-linemen, too. All the new guys we got coming in, it's, it's been crucial these past couple of weeks to kind of meet them and, and know them on a personal level and, and kind of bond with them and start to get things rolling before spring ball starts up in a couple of weeks. Tell us a little more about Dion Burks. I mean, all, all we really know is, I guess, what we can see a little bit from, from some of their games this past season. But what's he like in the locker room? How's he, how's he you know, getting along with the offense? He's a great dude, uh, full of energy. I'm always smiling, and he's working hard. You know, we had a, we had competitions this morning. You can tell he's just working his butt off. He loves to be here. He loves to play the game. Um, he loves to grind. And um, I've been super impressed with him so far. Gavin Sawchuk had a really nice end of the season a year ago. You've got some newcomers coming in at running back, Taylor Tatum, Sam Franklin as well. What, what, what have you seen from the running back so far? Because kind of like wide receiver, like there's just a lot of bodies at yeah, that spot, yeah, and it yeah. feels like there's a lot of talent there. Yeah, as, compared as well. to last year, it's a lot more bodies. I mean, we brought in three new guys. Um, Taylor is not up here yet, but um, Sam and X are up here right now, and it's a lot of bodies. It's a well-rounded group. Like you got some some big guys. Like X is a really big guy. And you've got super fast guys like Sam, Sawchuck, Javante, and, and all these guys are, they're all getting reps. They're all looking good right now. We're not, we're not doing anything uh, team related right now, so I'm not seeing them in their, their full yeah. potential or their, their element right now, but, um, it's a well-rounded group right now, and I'm, I'm impressed so far. So what about for you? You know, you, you got, got to see some action last year as a freshman. What are some of the takeaways from that season and what you need to work on and develop leading into spring? really to, to take your game to the next level? Yeah, regardless of um, the outcomes of the games or my performances last year, I'm really grateful for the opportunities I was given. Um, I think it's big for me being uh, at the age I am and in the position I am right now to have those game reps and kind of get that beneath me, you know, have that, that one bad game and kind of flush it, flush it away and, um, and learn from it. Um, whether it's being more decisive in my game or, or playing faster or pushing the tempo of our offense or just being a leader in general. That's all things I need to work on this offseason. I think, you know, playing those game, playing in that game and having those reps was huge for me. Hey, this isn't Jackson's first time on yeah. the ref. Yeah, he's pretty he, good. He was coming by the pregame shows I remember uh, his, that. his senior year. I think he had a ref hat on <laughs> the last time that he was on with us, man. I, I did want to ask you about uh, Brennan Thompson as well. Um, there was a list that came out of the 10 fastest players in college football. He was not on there. I have no idea how he wasn't on there. I think he should probably be number one. Yeah, I, but I you, you know that there's a play where he's running a go route, and that's probably going to be your option there. Yeah. What, what's the thought process of just throwing it downfield to Brennan Thompson because you know he's going to be open? Just just throw it as po- far as possibly yeah, I can. I mean, that actually surprises me that you say he wasn't on that list. Like That's, that's genuinely the fastest guy I've seen in person by far um and whenever we're talking about you know whether it was bowl game practice you know we had that we had the uh, the touchdown play to brandon in game and all week and i guess i guess the couple weeks before when we were uh practicing bowl practice he's 
course, the trails. He goes, throw that thing as far as you can. <laughs> throw it with some air and let Brendan run under it. And sure enough, sure enough, it came to fruition. But, yeah, that's that's one of the fastest dudes I've been around. Um, shocks me he wasn't on that list. Same here. Yeah. Well, um, he'll be there eventually. If, after you guys hook up a couple of times next season, I think he'll make his way onto the list. Tell I think Brendan th- commented on it, too. He was like, really? I wasn't pumped <laughs> in on this list? Okay. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Uh, tell us about the offensive line. I mean, obviously that's going to be key for the offensive success and, and for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to be replacing some guys. Now, it feels like there's a really good mix of, of young guys that are developing and coming up and, you know, some transfer portal additions and, and some guys that were that were there from last year's uh, offensive line. It's, a, it's a really a big mix. What do you think of that group and what's going to be important for them as they head into spring ball? Um, I mean, if you look at it on paper, like we've got a really, really good squad, um, a lot of potential on the O-line, and I think the biggest thing for them is just kind of getting in the playbook, understanding everything, understanding how Coach B coaches and, and how they can learn from him and just, just gelling with each other. You know, like I've, the O-line is probably the closest group out of any position group. Uh, in our locker room, in my opinion, those guys. Are, they always are. They're a bunch I, of weirdos. I know. <laughs> Every team's got That's a weird offense. I mean, line. I love them. They're, they're awesome. It's whether well, it could be 5:30 in the morning, they're they're cutting up and laughing in the locker room, which blows my mind that it's it's that early and they're doing that. But they, for them, it's just getting comfortable with each other, getting used to being around each other, and, and playing with each other, and ultimately learning the playbook. There you go. Jackson Arnold, man. Appreciate you stopping by. Sorry, no problem. Good to see you. Good luck this uh, this offseason, man. It's going to be fun. There you go. Jackson Arnold on the rush yesterday. That will be our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central, great clinics with a great reputation in Norman and Midwest City for a long time now. Their new Tri-City location, which serves Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. Their full-service clinic treat clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. All right. It is Tuesday here on Steel Man and Thune. We'll call a quick timeout. Get back to the text line next, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about and still over an hour to do it, so keep it right here on the home of Sooner fans. All right, welcome back. Tuesday, Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network, OU Baseball, pregame tonight, 6 o'clock. Sooners and Dallas Baptist in the Metroplex. T-Row on the call, 6 o'clock, pregame, 6.30. First pitch tonight, Oklahoma and Dallas Baptist. Nice weekend for Skip and company, 2-1. and one. Uh, That one over Tennessee looks really, really good, and the Sooner baseball team looks like it's got some talent, so it could be a very interesting year. I've got a a new uh, idea that I think we should pitch to the sales department. Okay, let's hear it. Shameless attempt for engagement brought to you by Mitchell's Jewelry. And we call (laughs) out somebody for a shameless (laughs) attempt at engagement. What do you think? Well, that's actually really clever, Steely. Gosh, you have to call you somebody can... out, though. Okay, who, do you have uh, no one in just... particular? But you can see what the shameless attempts at engagement are. But well, I don't know. If okay, you, if... yes, but did you bring that up because you were just thinking about Mitchell's jewelry, or because you saw a shameless attempt at engagement? Um. Yeah, I see a lot of shameless attempts at engagement. You know, when you're old, that stuff bothers you. I don't think you have to be old for that stuff to bother you. Bothers me. Bothers you I'm more not when you're old. It bothers you more when you're old because, you know, back in my day, we were taught, 
Act like you've been there before. Don't call attention to yourself. And nowadays, they act like they've never been there before, ever. And they call attention to themselves all the time. The SEPs, the shameless engagement people who will do anything for engagement because they've had very little attention in their lives. Have you ever made a shameless attempt at engagement? Not me, never, ever, probably, <laughs> but not many of them. I don't know. I probably would have, would have been just as bad if I was like in my 20s, you know. But when you get old and you put on those depend, you put on your depends every day, you hitch them up and go out to work and you see these people doing what they're doing, you, you just you have to shake your head. And now it's time for Shameless Attempt at Engagement, brought to you by our friends at Mitchell's Jewelry. I like it. Sales department, you've got an idea. Get out there. Get out there and see. Go execute. Yeah, that's right. Hey, it's always about execution, right? We were just talking about, uh, because Tyler put out, we were talking about this earlier, what is the first combination you think of when you think of quarterback to receiver at OU? Somebody said, by the way, in the uh, answer section, Jack Mildren, Mildren to Tinker Owens, which I think is erroneous. Uh, when you're thinking of uh, Jack Mildren, would have been his high school buddy. Both came from Abilene, John Harrison, who caught two touchdown passes in the 71 game of the century. Uh, I don't believe uh, Tinker, I remember catching a, a touchdown pass in the uh, Cotton Bowl from Joe Washington. And Tinker Owens, still highly underrated because they didn't throw the football that much, but that dude could catch anything thrown in his direction, Tinker Owens. Tinker's still out there, great sooner, really, really good player back in the day, but I don't think he ever caught one from Jack Mildrum. I don't think they intersected, unless I'm mistaken, and I might be, but I I doubt it. All right, 405-651-3439. I said Jay White, Mark Clayton. Who do you think of? Quarterback, receiver combination who's the first one that pops into your head baker and dd westbrook those were a fun two years i think in my lifetime that's probably the most memorable quarterback to receiver pairing just because dd had two of the most prolific seasons in college football for a wide receiver back-to-back, mm-hmm. including, you know, the, the latter – no, was was it 2015 or 2016? It was 2015 where he was a Heisman finalist. It was 2015 where OU sent both D.D. Westbrook and Baker Mayfield to New York. But in recent years, man, you haven't had any prolonged connection between a quarterback and a wide receiver – more than anything, because Oklahoma has cycled quarterbacks in and out so quickly. There's one year of Baker in 2017, then one year of Kyler, then one year of Hurts, then one year of Rattler, then one year of Caleb. And now, obviously, it's been two years of Dylan Gabriel, but even so, Gabriel didn't have the same go to guy both years. It was Marvin Mims in 2022. Yeah, was, sometimes you get him split up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was Andrew Anthony and Nick Anderson in 2023. So I, I think somebody Jason said, White, by the way, Davis Bevel in the ground. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't. I, good. That's no, pretty good. Uh, there's, there's With all things. apologies to Alex Tarako if she's out there listening because she is a great Sooner and Wolverine. But when I saw that, got a half chuckle out of that. More than a half, a full chuckle. Davis Bevel in the ground. 
I don't want to say anything mean. I really don't. I'm going to get this back on track. In my lifetime, the ones that jump out. Yeah, Jason White to Mark Clayton was a really good one. Um, I, Sam Bradford to Ryan Broyles, maybe? But Broyles didn't Broyles really. Broyles with, was, was with Landry for a yeah, long Broyles time, Yeah, Broyles didn't too. really blow up yeah. until, he, until yeah. the Landry years. Well, and that's the deal because I would have said Ryan Broyles, but again, when you're right, the main pairing was with Landry Jones. Sterling Shepard, he went through the ringer when it came to quarterbacks. He had to deal with Trevor Knight and Blake Bell and Cody Thomas for a minute there. Cody Thomas, yeah. Then, fortunately, he got Baker for his final year. Larry from Union City going back. Bobby Warmack to Eddie Hinton. There you go. I like that. The Wicked Worm, Bob Warmack to Eddie Hinton. The Wicked Worm? The Wicked Worm. That was his nickname. Why was he called that? I I don't know, but it's pretty cool. Because it rolls off the tongue nicely. Wicked Worm Womack. Yo, or what Wormack. up, Wicked Worm? What's happening? Thomas Lott to Victor Hicks. There you go. Yeah. OU back in the day, they would go like there'd be a game where passing stats, OU, zero for zero, you know. Rushing yards, 525, you know, or whatever back in the day. There were games where they didn't throw the football. Steve Davis to Billy Brooks. Billy Brooks, uh, first-round draft pick, Cincinnati Bengals, heck of a football player. Uh, Wormack to uh, Steve Zabel as well. Steve Zabel, another high NFL pick. Great former Sooner as well, no doubt. All right, uh, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Greg McElroy is going to tell us how ready the Sooners are for the SEC. Guess what? He doesn't think they're quite as ready as Texas. I'm Imagine shocked, that. Personally. We'll have that audio. And I'm chumming the water for sharks right now, man. This, this is, is a shameless attempt at engagement. Right, brought to you by Mitchell's Jewelry. We'll be right back. We are uh, talking brilliantly today, I might add. I mean, that's up to interpretation, but uh, that's the way I've heard it so far today. Hour number two brought to you by Black Thunder Roofing. BlackThunderRoofing.com, 405-473-8028. Also, again, uh, one of the best reputations in the business at Black Thunder Roofing. They can do it all. They're a one-stop shop. A one-stop shop for customers looking for one contractor. They operate Norman and Edmond. They also service Shawnee, Yukon, and Mustang. BlackThunderRoofing.com, 405-473-8028. All right, the SEC is upon us. Uh, no surprises today. We had heard this was going to be happening at the college football playoff. To go, we'll, we'll go five plus seven. Conference champions from uh, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC, plus the highest-ranked group of five conference champions, and then the highest-ranked at-large teams will fill out the uh, playoff field. So uh, one of the things that we heard about Oklahoma's move to the SEC, number one, is a lot more money will be involved. Uh, The fatigue with some of these conference matchups in the Big 12 will be gone it's an exciting new schedule. It's certainly going to be tougher, at least in the first year. Oklahoma has one of the hardest schedules in all of college football next year. But there are many positive benefits to uh, making the move to the SEC. And one of the things, well, you know, you can go 9-3 and three in the SEC and still make the 12-team uh, playoff. 
what happens if two years down the road or three years down the road they decide, you know what, let's go to 16. Then Oklahoma's odds get even better. Now, if the Sooners are going and playing at a high level like Oklahoma football has done over years and years and years and years, 12 will be fine. But we'll see. And, you know, there is an ocean out there because of Brent 6 and 7 and that mule shoe, that rotten son of a, you know what, left. And, and, and you know, it was kind of like that scene in the movies where the guy walks away and there's a giant explosion, you know, in the background. That's kind of what people thought nationally was going on with Oklahoma football. But they did bounce back. But here is ESPN college football analyst Greg McElroy talking about the readiness of teams entering the uh, Big 12 for the first time, or the uh, SEC for the first time for the Big 12. And let's start what, with what Greg McElroy said about Oklahoma's SEC readiness. Uh, the Sooners, they have to prove that they are ready for the grind. They have one of the toughest schedules in the SEC. They have Alabama, Ole Miss, Missouri, LSU, and Tennessee. All of the aforementioned teams won nine or more games last year. Now, they've recruited SEC-level talent, but they also have a lot of things to prove. Now, Brent Venables, in his two years in Norman, 10-8 and eight against the Big 12, which is not bad, especially when you take into account just how much better they were this past year than they were the year before, so progress was made. The problem is the Big 12 got a whole heck of a lot easier last year. And yet they still had losses to Kansas, had a loss to Oklahoma State. And three of their 10 wins came against Big 12 first-year teams in BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati. So I believe that Oklahoma is absolutely trending upward, but there are some question marks. I mean, I think Jackson Arnold's going to be a really good player. I love the hire of Seth Luttrell. I think they've done a good job of, of reinforcing some depth in the portal to an extent. He's done a good job in the recruiting trail with high school ranks. But this grind that they're about to experience with their schedule is unlike anything they've seen ever in the Big 12. Same can be said for Texas, frankly. But it does feel like with Texas's surge into the playoff last year, they're more capable and more prepared to rally up and play teams like this on a week-to-week basis. All right, uh, any problems with anything that Greg McElroy said right there? Anything stand out to you? I think he spoke for a lot of the national media with what he said. A lot of the national media sees Texas as better equipped to go and compete in the SEC than Oklahoma, but I think what gets overlooked in the discourse quite often is what Texas loses compared to what Oklahoma loses, right? And what... What does Oklahoma lose of consequence outside the offensive line? Obviously, you know, that's kind of the big, uh, I guess you can call it a question mark, but also, you know, an asterisk to a certain extent. You have to make that notation that, and that admission that heading into 2024, the offensive line is the position group at Oklahoma that you're not 100% sure about. And obviously we trust Bill Biedenboe, at least I do, I would say many do. Not everyone does. But I, I trust that Bill Biedenboe is going to have his uh, line situation sorted out. They obviously brought in several transfers to help bolster their depth in that department. But with what Texas loses at the skill positions, with the fact that you bring back Quinn Ewers to play quarterback, I 
I don't know, Steely. Nationally, the opinion the mighty of Quinn, Quinn viewers the seems to be Quinn. a lot higher yeah. than my opinion and your opinion and our collective opinion in the OU market. Maybe some of it is inherent bias. I don't know. But I just I don't see Quinn Ewers with that group of skill guys at Texas being able to sustain what they accomplished a year ago because even some of the games they won in 2023, Steely, you can look at it in hindsight and say, okay, they probably should not have won that game. Two that spring to mind immediately, Kansas State yeah, and Houston. Yeah. K-State, jeez. And here, yes, Houston. Oh, my gosh. Well, here's the deal. All right, so if Texas had beaten Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, we beat the team. We beat the you know, but they didn't. Oklahoma won the game. And, you know, if you're close to the situation and everybody thinks, well, you know, Texas got to the playoff. Oklahoma didn't get, you know, really come that close to the playoff, right? Um, but Sooner fans, again, you won that game and you were the more physical team. Not that Texas wasn't physical, but Oklahoma was kind of the more physical team, right? Particularly when it counted. Goal Absolutely. line stand and when they had to make the big drive. So if let's say if Texas had won, beaten Oklahoma, you know, by a touchdown or whatever in the Cotton Bowl and went to the playoff, then I would have said, yeah, Texas is is a step ahead of Oklahoma. But I still think it's pretty close. And because of the Sooners' reputation in that game, I don't know. I If I had to say, is Texas ahead of Oklahoma going into the SEC, I would say yes, but it's not by much. And it's it's basically because Sark has had an extra year, right? But Brent's done a lot of that. Look, the first year, no doubt, huge disappointment. But they've recruited very well, and uh, I still like the culture that he's building right now. So do you think they're, like, in lockstep going to the SEC, or what do you think? Would Texas be slightly ahead, and is it just because Sark has had an extra year over Brent? I think Oklahoma is slightly ahead. Do you? I do. And I think that's well, it's based on a lot of things. First and foremost, Oklahoma is going to have the better defense next year. I feel confidently about that. And I think in the SEC. Texas you, loses, a lot, loses a lot on the D-line. That they do. Tavondre Sweat, for what, the, yeah. for what that's worth. OU fans watched him get manhandled for the vast majority of the afternoon at the Cotton Bowl. So he is probably going to be a first, second-round pick, though. But, yeah, I, I'm i just more confident in what Oklahoma brings back on defense than what Texas brings back. And I think if you want to be able to play big boy ball in the SEC, you have to be able to play not necessarily top-tier defense, but you can't have a defense that is a liability. Because then at that point, you're just a mid-tier also-ran. Like LSU last year, right? Jaden Daniels won the freaking Heisman. LSU finished 9-3, and three and nobody gave them a second thought. Why? Because they couldn't stop a nosebleed defensively. And that's not to say that's the type of defense Texas is going to play next year, but the point is, if you're not ready to go toe-to-toe from a physical standpoint and also a mental toughness standpoint, a resilience standpoint, with the best programs in the SEC on the defensive side of the ball, well, then you're going to get your lunch eaten. Mm-hmm. Yep. Texas is not going to – and here's the thing. With so many of those Big 12 opponents the last few years, Texas's recipe for success, and I think this goes understated, 
it's pretty much been exactly the same as Oklahoma's, Steely. They have just outscored the opposition. You're not going to be able to get into track meets with SEC opponents, at least not to the extent that you got into them in the Big 12. And so we've seen the cultural shift and the philosophical shift happen and take root at Oklahoma. The question is, is it taking root at Texas? And I'm sure there are folks down You think so because they just paid him a lot more money, right? Well, y- yes. Obviously, Texas fans are very confident that Sarkeesian is their guy. My question is, in the last two years, ever since Brent Venables arrived on the scene at Oklahoma, we've seen the Sooners shift from a very offense-forward team to a much more balanced team that can win games yeah. with defense, as we saw last year. Is Texas going to be able to do that? I uh, I think Sark overall has done a pretty good job. I'm not completely sold on Texas yet, though. I've got to see more. And, you know, their schedule in the SEC, they have Georgia in, uh, in Austin. Uh, they have to go to, I think, Arkansas and A&M. Now, they do have to go to the big house to play Michigan week two uh, next year. But, man, a super manageable SEC schedule for Texas. Here's another interesting point, Steely. Who was a better quarterback last year, Dylan Gabriel or Quinn Ewers? I would give the edge to Gabriel. And when Gabriel chose to leave at season's end, or rather chose not to go pro at season's end, Oklahoma waved him out the door. When Ewers chose not to go pro at season's end, Texas welcomed him back with open arms. What does that say about Jackson Arnold in relation to Arch Manning? And how yeah. ready those two are. It's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. All right, we'll break right here. Uh, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. That's 405-651-3439. We'd love to hear from you. 135, uh, Brandon Bar tells us what Gordon Hayward means to Oklahoma City over the final 24 games. Got a couple quips, sound bites from a Brandon that I thought were pretty interesting. Thunder picks it back up Thursday night at home against the LA Clippers. Stay with us right here on the ref. Hey, right, we are back. 405 651 3439. Chevrolet text line here on this Tuesday. Mike Steely Parker Thune with you here on the uh, home of Sooner fans. And uh, we would love to hear from you on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I got a uh, text from a buddy who said, where will the Sooners uniform game rank in the SEC? Hmm. Georgia, what do you think? One to ten, Georgia unis overall, whole combination. I think they're just kind of average, six out of ten. I'm going to go like 7-5. I like the, uh, the what they call the silver britches. A little bit different. Okay. Uh, Missouri, minus one. <laughs> I mean, you have to admit, black and gold in general is a pretty good color scheme, but it's also Mizzou. Yeah, so. and uh, I, I do kind of like some of the new looks, but they're Mizzou. I'm not going to rank them. They're <laughs> ridiculous right now. Dismissed. Uh, Tennessee. I respect the fact they're classic that Tennessee has kept things pretty true to tradition over the years. I do really like their blackout look, 
I think that is an innovative look that actually looks good. I'm going to put it I, – I, I want to go higher. I'll say 7 out of 10 just because I'm not a huge fan of the color orange. I am looking at, you know, the SEC. Bama's got the traditional, you know, they're, they're Alabama. They don't think they go with anything alternate-wise. That's – the Sooners are up there, particularly when you look at their road whites. And I like the red, too. But if you, you have to pick one of the two, I like the, the road whites. And I think – the competition might include uh, Ole Miss when they go powder blue. Oof, Ole Miss powder blue, yeah, that's a clean look. How about LSU? As much as I despise LSU, and I, I like it when they pull out the purple uniforms. Now, keep in mind, LSU is one of the few teams that wears white at home. But um, that's a pretty good-looking helmet. Anybody else? A&M sucks. Uh, Arkansas. Eh. Um, Auburn's color scheme is pretty good. I kind of Auburn's unis aren't bad, but I don't think they're in the same. Auburn ballpark. has never really messed around with an alternate, have they? Not that I can remember. They have always just been the standard navy tops. How about and then white tops on the road? How about Florida? Oh man, I'm not. I'm here's not a, a big fan. Here's but, a story for you. Okay, I was at the Gator Print game in 2017. Uh, down at the you know you remember those uniforms brutal the game was brutal too it was kellen mond versus felipe franks <laughs> it's a quarterback matchup for the ages and not in a good way uh those were atrocious really any alternate look that florida has tried to go with over the years has been atrocious i think their best looks are the standard blue tops white pants and then the standard White tops, white pants. Mm-hmm. Orange, there's a time and a place for orange. I don't mind seeing that orange uniform every now and again, but there was a time. There was a time where they had pretty much essentially shifted to making that orange uniform their primary home uniform. And yeah, that was just, not good. that didn't didn't float my boat. I do like the helmet, though. I think uh, it's kind of cool with the cursive and oh, everything. Yeah. But uh, I would go, and part of this is probably a shameless uh, attempt at engagement here, uh, but OU's Road Whites, I would probably go with Ole Miss with the powder blue, second. LSU, three. Georgia, four. Bama, five. I don't know. Bama's road uniforms. I kind of like the uh, their uh, their road unis too. But uh, the Sooners will be able to hold their own in the uniform department. It's a classic look. All right, four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Chevrolet text line. Jay in Tulsa says slanted numbers on the Meth Aggies uniforms. That's Midzoo. Automatically go into negative territory. Some of these programs have gone completely off the rails with the number fonts. Well, and here's the thing. When you are not a blue blood and you don't have a great reputation, you're, you're you know, kind of a middle-of-the-pack or so-so football program, you've got to do the uh, shameless attempt at in- to get engagement because your uniforms can't stand on their own, right? Now, part of the deal, like Oregon's reputation has been they've got 9 million uniforms. Oklahoma State now has 9 million uniforms. If you're Oklahoma, you really don't 
even need an alternate uni. Oklahoma State is one program, Steely, that I firmly believe should go back to retro slash throwback on a full-time basis. The Barry, Barry Sanders, Sanders era yeah. uniforms. I agree with that. Easily Oklahoma State's best look. Not even close. There was a time back in – in fact, it was the uh, Terry Miller-Charlie Weatherby team that beat Oklahoma and Norman in 76, I think, when we had a three-way tie for the Big 12 championship. That Oklahoma State – had almost a, really a very dark burnt orange color scheme. You can go ahead and Google it up. Like Texas burnt orange? It was like a darker version. Oh. I don't know what the exact color like of orange vermilion? was. I don't know, but you could Google it up. Go ahead and Google it up. But it was it was not a good color. But the Barry Sanders era, Thurman Thomas era, you know, and I get it for Oklahoma State. It's a pretty good marketing deal. You know, you kind of become the Oregon of the Southwest, so to speak, with all the uniform changes. But um, I don't know. Do you like any of the Sooners alternate unis? I mean. The unity uniforms, the anthracite, not a fan. I did not like the red wood grain uniforms the rough riders right. i did not like the red uniforms i did like the white uniforms you did i thought the white uniforms looked awesome i would like um, to go to the bud era throwbacks again but they lost that game to texas <laughs> tech and you know that's been a problem but to me the bud era throwbacks were awesome i have no strong opinion on the unity alternate package i don't think they're great i don't think they're terrible they're just different yeah Lost City Sooner says the color is baby food carrot orange. Okay. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> I see where you're going now. I've, yes. I have a mental picture. Uh, my uh, Crayola set with 128 crayons, I don't think I got that color of orange, but maybe. I don't know. Gunny of Sessman Army says, what's wrong in mid-zoo? They can't retain anyone but drunk wits. Yeah. So the AD went to Arizona. Was that the fe- female AD, right? That is correct. Desiree Reed Francois. Was pretty good. How old is she? I was like, I, I didn't know that was Missouri's AD. Jeez. I have no idea how old she is. I mean, have you seen pictures of her? She She's still got a fastball working a little bit. I'm just saying. Parker Thun will not comment, ladies and gentlemen. I, I just, I don't even know what to do with that. Well, I'm just saying, I'm like, that does not look like an athletic director. That's all I'm saying. So, who is Mizzou going to hire? Have they hired anybody yet? They have not hired anybody. The two names that have been thrown around are Ren Baker, who I, I believe actually was the Rogers State AD at one point. He's now the AD at West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Laird Vetch, who is the athletic director at Memphis. Laird? Yes, his name is Laird. Vetch? Yes. Good Lord. That might be the worst name I've ever heard. Well, it's got to be pretty perfect for yeah. Mizzou then, huh? How you doing? Good to meet you. I'm Laird Vetch. Golly, that's a bad name. Listener in the 918 says, typically we wore the unity uniform against West Virginia. When will we wear that uniform now? Uh, well... Fact check on that one. The Sooners only wore it against West Virginia this past year. The only previous time they wore it, it was at home against Kansas. So, What about in Morgantown? Well, they wore the Rough Rider. Oh, the Rough Riders. Yeah, okay, they, yeah. They would that's right. traditionally wear the Rough Riders when they made the road trip to Morgantown. Uh, I, I don't know. 
I don't know when Oklahoma wears the unity uniform. Of course, we didn't know when they were going to wear it this year, and then they just decided to pull it out against West Virginia. Dylan Gabriel had eight touchdowns that day. That was a good football game. But we weren't really anticipating. What is it? I hear Joe C. to Mizzou. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Is that going to be how they respond? Muleshoe would love that because he'd finally get taken off the the burner for OU fans. Well, not completely, but he'd be moved to burner. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, not completely, but... Joe C. is going to have a statue here and a fedora collection that will be here forever. He ain't going nowhere. I'm just he saying. did come here from the University of Missouri. He did. I don't think Joe C. made the move to the University of Oklahoma with the intention of going back to the University of Missouri. Doubtful. So I, I don't know who Missouri hires. Uh, what I do know is whoever that new AD is. From everything I've seen reported by folks in the Missouri camp, they have a they have a board of curators, which is interesting. That sounds very uh, pretentious. It, it, well, it is, it is, but that's their equivalent to Oklahoma's yeah. board of regents. Right? You know, they're all listing their middle initial on the board of curators too, because that's how you do it. <laughs> so anyway, but apparently, whoever the next AD is, uh, they're going to have to navigate some very choppy waters with the board of curators well if josie ever leaves and we have we have uh we're trying to clone josie right now so there'll be some version of josie that that is the ad forever jay in tulsa says laird vetch sounds like one of kramer's friends we never see on seinfeld (laughs) that's exactly right i was just gonna make a laird vetch joke going into break but i don't think i can top that one but, yes, if Josie ever leaves, let's hope that Laird Vetch is not, not hired. I think it's the worst name I've ever heard, Laird Vetch. It's up there, way up there. All right, when we get back, we got a lot more text on the way and uh, some quick thoughts from Brandon Rabar on the uh, remaining regular season 24 games for OKC and what Gordon Hayward brings to the table starting Thursday. I'm being told it might be Laird Veach. Is that better or worse? I mean, it's still pretty bad. Laird Veach. It still sounds it's <laughs> like somebody that Harry Potter would go to battle with, too, right? I don't know. All right, 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text on. We're going right back there. All right, Thunder in action tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Paycom Palace. Uh, against the L.A. Clippers. They're 1-1 one one against the Clippers this year. Oklahoma City resides number two in the West, one game behind Minnesota. And again, they're at 37-17. Gordon Hayward joining the Thunder. They said, you know, he's going to play after the All-Star break. I asked Brandon Rabar, our Thunder insider, what the addition of Gordon Hayward means for Oklahoma City. Yeah, for the Thunder, I like what Gordon Hayward brings because he's another scorer. I think the Thunder needed another proven scorer, and that's what he's bringing. 15 points a game, even at age 33 on a bad Hornets team. He was averaging 15 points a game, five rebounds, five assists. He's just a well-rounded player. He's another proven guy that you can add to this team and teams have to respect. Defenders have to respect him. All of a sudden, you have Shake Gilgis Alexander, Jalen Williams, Chet Holmgren, and Gordon Hayward. And that changes completely how defenses will attack this Thunder offense. 
because it's another playmaker, scorer, shooter you have to respect. And one more from Brandon. What does this mean now, the addition again of Gordon Hayward for Josh Giddy's minutes, especially at closing time? I do think that some of Giddy's minutes will go to Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward is averaging 32 minutes a game this season for the Hornets. I don't think he'll get that with the Thunder, obviously. He'll take some of Jang's minutes. He'll take Nisich's minutes. But I do think that Giddy's minutes may take a hit. They've been kind of trending down anyways. But I think a lot of it will depend on each game-to-game basis, how Josh Giddy's performing. We've seen Dagnald, if Giddy is playing well, he'll close. If he's not playing so well, he won't close. So I won't be surprised at all to see Gordon Hayward take some of those Josh Giddy closing minutes and maybe some of his minutes throughout the game as well. There you go. And, yes, Brandon of Misich is, is not here anymore, but he was talking about those minutes he was getting when he was obviously in Oklahoma City. So, Thunder and the L.A. Clippers, 7 o'clock, coming up on Thursday night at the Paycom Palace. All right, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A-Train says, I got food poisoning one Thanksgiving when Aunt Velma made me try the Laird Veach she made for us. <laughs> oh, man. You guys have been pretty good on the text line. I still like one of the early responses to Tyler's question. What is the best combination of quarterback and receiver you can think of? Davis Bevel in the ground. Somebody also said Eric Moore and the Bleachers. Eric Moore uh, had some issues throwing the football. I remember when when Howard told us that uh, Eric Moore and Fuente were certainly uh, I believe I were on the same level as uh, Killing Kozar. Jim Kelly and Bernie, Bernie uh, Kozar. He actually uh, said that. Eric Moore and Fuente are certainly on that level. That was Howard, yes. Jim Kelly and Bernie Kozar. That's what he said. Yes, they have the same capability. Wow. Now, Howard. Uh, what was Howard on besides bourbon? Because it wasn't just bourbon, clearly. I think there was some Jim Beam, a lot of Jim Beam running through his veins back in the day. Just me. Well, we know that. He, uh, it was when you're doing a morning show and you have more free will to be really stupid, not just sort of stupid. Then it was. There were a lot of parody opportunities for Howard. I will just say that. So, man, you've been at this a long time, haven't you? That was almost thirty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Howard, uh, what a classic! What a classic he was. Brian and Cameron says Chris Sims to Teddy Lehman. There you go, Brian. That's a <laughs> heck of a connection right there. Jeff from OKC says, can Midzoo afford to get a new AD with all the money they play? They pay the players? Apparently, so the theory is that this is part of why Desiree Reed-Francois left Mizzou. Wait a minute. Desiree Reed-Francois is her name, too? That is correct. Jeez. Okay, that's a really cool name. That's the opposite of Laird Vetch or Veach. You're really enamored with Desiree, aren't you? Well, I mean, she looks pretty good for her age. I mean, she's no Shea Steely, but she, I mean, I'm just saying that was Missouri's AD. Jeez, okay, that's all I'm saying. I apologize. And going from Desiree Reed Francois to Laird Vetch or Veach. <laughs> we got to find, I got to find some Laird Beach Vetch audio, I think. Watch, now the AD will be someone else and will be completely jokeless. 
So this is Desiree who, Francois? Reed Francois. Desiree Reed Francois. But as I was saying, the theory is that part of the reason why she left, well, there are a couple of prevailing theories. One being that Missouri is about to get slapped upside the head with violations. Good, 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 very good. The other is that in anticipation of perhaps having to deal with some blowback from the powers that be regarding their conduct, specifically pertaining to NIL, Missouri recently implemented an athletics oversight committee, which, of course, like— Athletics oversight is the job of the AD. So imagine, Steely, you have a job, and then all of a sudden there's a committee formed by a bunch of suits Mm -hmm. to essentially perform your exact same job function. The Athletic Oversight Committee, the initials are what? (laughs) AOC. Okay, I rest my case. (laughs) Oh, man. Santa, or uh, not Santa John, but uh, listener in the 214, a no-name listener in the 214 says, sources say the old booger eater chased Daniel to mid-zoo as AD. Hmm. That would be interesting. What's he up to these days? I don't know. But uh, I would, you know, by the way, general manager, Oklahoma, Lofton done deal? Uh, so it's, well, it. It's not a done deal yet. That's why it hasn't been announced by the university. Right. But yes. The I mean, look, Curtis Lofton behind the scenes has been executing a lot of the responsibilities of a GM for quite some time. And the expectation is that he's going to shift from his role with the sole mission into a GM role for Oklahoma football. And again, it wouldn't be much of a transition because he's already been doing a lot of that work behind the scenes for a while. Who would have thought we'd have a general manager in college football? But that's where we are. Several programs have had them for Mm -hmm. years. I mean, I think. Isn't it basically director of football ops? Is freaking Clark Stroud, is he a general manager? I don't think Clark Stroud is a general manager. No. I would check his Twitter bio, but he has me blocked. So I don't know what his official title is. Attention-seeking clown. Oh, see, those initials are ASC. Mm-hmm. We have to figure out yeah. some way to yeah. make that a little bit more catchy, if you will. Yeah, Curtis Lofton, I think, would be a pretty good man. You talk about a play uh, back in the day, too. Attention-seeking psychophant. How about that? Okay, yeah. What kind of years meals you going to have, you think, in the Big Ten? In the Big Ten, I think he goes like 7-5 and five again. J.D. in Tulsa says, Mizzou Athletics Oversight Committee is appointed by the governor. It was created out of suspicion of higher ed. We have some of that in Oklahoma as well. Let's hope Oklahoma government does not follow suit. Oh, boy. What if... What if Oklahoma forms an athletics oversight committee and Joe C. leaves for, like, Maryland or somewhere? Joe C. is not allowed to leave. Remember (laughs) that uh, he's got a lifetime deal, and uh, if he attempts to leave Norman or the state, we'll make sure that uh, we bring him back. Lost City Sooner says Mule Shoe better run to the NFL while he can. Okay, LSU in their opener, loss. 
Utah, hey, this is Utah State. Second game, win. Give them a win. At Michigan, the big house, lost. <laughs> Wisconsin at home. Wait, hang on. Michigan plays Texas and USC? That's what I'm seeing, yes. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, they're one and yeah. two. Uh, Wisconsin at the Coliseum? I'll give them that one. They have to go play P.J. Fleck and row the boat at Minnesota October 5th. Okay, I'll give them that one, too. That's three. Penn State at home? Nope. They lose to Penn State. And so that's three and three at Maryland? Okay. Maryland is bad. They'll beat Maryland. Rutgers at home? They'll beat Rutgers. Five and three. At Washington? At Washington? No no shot. Five and four. Nebraska at home? Come on, Huskers. Oh, I bet Nebraska wins that one. They have to go five to five. UCLA, and then they've got Notre Dame at home. So you're looking at with a good season, eight and four. I think eight and four with that schedule is a win. Yeah, God, please let it implode, please. Not that I wish bad things to happen to people. I wish bad things to happen to bad people, though. So in this case, yes, six and six at best. Hopefully, there you go. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We have one more segment. Going to tell you what's happening at Riverwind Casino and get to as many texts as we can right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Tuesday edition, Steel Man and Thune. We're going to get locked in, by the way, with Tyler and Parker coming up at 2 o'clock. Keep it right here. All right, Riverwind Casino, get on out there and play with your wild card. You know they have the uh, super cool Thunder wild cards out there as well. And uh, you can get your standard issue. You can upgrade your wild card, but they are very, very valuable. Play with those Monday and Tuesday for the big Friday uh, promotions and play with them every time you're out there. But you get five times the entries for some points in your wild card. And we are talking about uh, having an advantage, getting more entries for the 80K Leap Into Love promotional drawing, the final one of this great promotion, happening Friday night at Riverwind. And then you have the uh, 60K Cupid's Mad Dash final drawing as well. Those are random hot seat drawings. They'll be happening Saturday night beginning at 6 p.m. They go to 11.30 p.m. They have uh, three winners every 30 minutes happening with random hot seat drawings. And then uh, they have two grand prize winners that will be, uh, you know, awarded a, a nice chunk of cash and bonus play right before midnight. We have shows back at the Show Place Theater. Next up. Uh, coming up on Friday nights, it is uh, Scotty McCreary. In March, we have Jay Leno and Jim Gaffigan, two great comedians, March 15th and March 23rd in April. Ryan Bingham and the Texas Gentleman on a Friday night, April 19th. Kip Moore, Saturday, April 20th. In May, Chelsea Handler will be there for a show on a Friday night, May 3rd. Brantley Gilbert, Friday, May 10th. They also have Beats and Bites back. Tickets are on sale for the new Beats and Bites lineup, the outdoor concert series uh, in the late spring through the summer. And, again, those tickets are available at Riverwind.com and at the Showplace Theater box office. Can't wait to get back out to Riverwind on Friday. Good times always at the best casino experience in the metro area, Riverwind Casino. All right, 405-651-3439. I think we can close it out with some uh, some text. Let's do it. Lost City Sooner of Mule Shoe and USC says 6-6 six and six is realistic. What if USC misses a bowl game next year? Is Mule Shoe canned? 
Um, I mean, it's possible, I guess. Like, here's what I think is legitimately going to happen, Steely. Because again, looking at that schedule yet next year, USC best case scenario, absolute best case scenario is winning eight football games. I'm willing to bet you that by the end of the year, the discourse surrounding Muleshoe's departure from Oklahoma to USC is, holy smokes, that is one of the most egregious instances of unprovoked career suicide in the history of coaching. I hope it's a Saturday game in Lincoln, Nebraska. Or, I'm sorry, they're my bad. They're home against. Uh, so I'm trying to see snow games, possibilities. Snow games. Because I want to see Muleshoe over there just buried in snow on the sideline. Fired in a snowy tarmac? Maybe Rutgers, October 26th would be one. Yeah, not late enough for snow. Yeah, I know. So, you know, they went smart about this, and they didn't – UCLA's not a snow game, neither is Seattle in November. So Seattle they, in November could be. It could be. Um. I mean, I want to see Muleshoe like Jack Torrance at the end of The Shining, you know, where he's gone through the maze. I mean, no fatality involved, but frozen for a while. Uh, that would be nice because what did he do? Ran from the SEC, right? And now facing the Big Ten, I want to see hey, Steely, them buried see- in a snow game. Quick fact check here. Okay. He didn't run from the SEC. He ran to USC. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember when they got <laughs> All right, guys, we're getting killed out there, okay? Lincoln, we know you ran from the SEC, but we got to turn this around, man. Got to reframe it. We, Clark, what do you think? How about he uh, ran to USC? Clark, that's great. Now, you're still a clown, but that's really, really good. So, yeah, let's go with that, all right? Whenever that's brought up, I want everybody on the staff to say we didn't run from the SEC. We ran to USC. Are we in agreement? Okay. Thank you. It's such it's such weird phrasing, too, isn't it? it makes USC sound like Muleshoe's long-lost lover. Yeah. Was running to USC. Did you see what, uh, was it Barstool that tweeted out? No, was it Portnoy, I believe? The conversation he had talked <laughs> yes. with him recently, talked about his love for OU and his hatred for Lincoln Riley. It's like, gee. Oh, man. Toby Keith is, man. Man. He's going to miss him. He's already missed at the LNC and at Sooner Games. What a legend. Here's a, here's a question. I know, I know what we want the answer to be, but it's a legitimate question that I'm considering more and more as I ponder USC's schedule. Is it possible that USC is going to be even worse than we think they are? Because replacing Caleb Williams with anybody Mm -hmm. is a steep, steep downgrade. And once again, throughout the first two years of Muleshoe's regime in L.A., you can point to, I would say offhand, the majority of the games that they have won as games that they simply would not have won if anybody but Caleb Williams was playing quarterback. You know how bad it is? I would never root for LSU in any circumstance, but I am rooting for a Bayou Bengals blowout in that first game, September 1st. You going to do a fake Cajun accent all week? <laughs> My family. 
Brian Kelly. And it's who same agent, right? Same agent. That's has, right. That's the Trace Armstrong Bowl. That's right. Uh has Grinch landed a job? He is the safeties yep. coach at the University of Wisconsin. So wait, we're gonna get a mule shoe Grinch rematch. Ooh, a grudge that's match. Right, that's right. Wait, wait, wait. Yes, September twenty eighth at the Coliseum. A mule shoe Grinch grudge match. That could be a classic. Okay. I take it back. Wisconsin wins that game. That would be nice. And how many want, how want, many freaking Grinch gifts will you see, gifts, gifts, if Wisconsin wins that game? Oh, the, the social million? media activity will be elite. And I want to see Grinch taunting Muleshoe across the sidelines with the Tom Herman. That would be nice. Very nice. All right. You know, it's never good to hold on to a grudge, people. That's not good for your health or well-being. But in this case, screw it. I'm going to keep <laughs> holding on to it, all right? You guys, too. All right. Thank you to Black Thunder Roofing, blackthunderroofing.com, 405-473-8028. Get out to Riverwind, play with your wild card today, and we'll see you out there on Friday.